Hi and welcome to Detox Talks the Detox a podcast where we talk to some of the world's finest leaders about their detox rituals and how they maintain continuity in a world of noise and chaos how they make sure that the criticism that the world puts on them doesn't affect their insight and they still continue to perform as well as they do thanks for tuning in this is Kunal Chandirmani and you are listening to Detox Talks the Detox we have raghav gupta on the podcast raghav is the managing director for india and asia pacific at coursera and if you don't know coursera you really need to go and check it out it's a platform i personally use and that's why this conversation is so special thank you so much for taking out the time this is going to be a lot of fun thanks kunal it's a pleasure to be here and uh, really nice to hear from you that you've been a coursera user yourself uh looking forward to the conversation so raghav education as an industry is so crucial and it's one where where the impact is probably more than any other imaginable industry leaving aside rockets <laughs> so uh, when in such a crucial industry with so much impact what do you see as the balancing force as you detox after all those days when you're working creating something that's really going to help so many people better educate themselves what's what's your go to detox ritual post that you know quite frankly um, i've been at coursera for 5 years and the work's been very fulfilling so firstly i i, I must say that uh, uh, my work energizes me you know we we serve a lot of uh, learners in india in other parts of the world as well uh, it doesn't of course there are times when it is stressful and uh, but most of the times it is a lot of energizing work but outside of that you know i mean like many folks would identify uh, you know i do need uh, to detox i do need to take time off so i spend time with my kids which really uh, that really is something i enjoy uh, i play uh, sport and happy to talk about some of these in a little bit more detail um read both fiction and non fiction quite enjoy that and then actually i've spent some time taking courses on coursera as well which have helped me understand myself a little bit more understand you know what keeps me happy and some of those have helped as well <laughs> that's perfect i love the idea of using coursera <laughs> it's it's amazing when a product that you end up adding value to ends up adding value to yourself yeah absolutely you know one of the first courses that i did you know even before joining coursera it's called learning how to learn a a very deeper question when so given that you taken coursera courses before you joined coursera being a part of a company which it's not an overstatement to say is probably one of the most impactful when it comes to lifelong learning in in the hands of most of the public not just in india but around the world what has been a personal change for you towards adopting more adopting lifelong learning and uh, more uh, rapidly within your personal life um i would say you know one of the elements which uh, i've kind of started enjoying is just the idea that you can learn so many new things right and that <laughs> itself and become addictive at certain uh, point in time right um i did my mba back in uh, 2006 2007 and since then a lot has changed in the business world right so for example i was talking to the director of a business school here in india and they are teaching their students uh, python programming in the first semester 
because they believe that like Excel is today, tomorrow Python will be a base skill, right? And I've done some fundamental basic courses in some of these technologies as well. Um, I've also taken a lot of courses around just well-being, happiness. You know, there's a great course called the Science of Well-Being on Coursera for, from Yale University. There's also a course called uh, A Life of Fulfillment and Happiness from the Indian School of Business. And then, uh, you know, topics like uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, so, you know, for many of us, um, we don't realize this, but AI is playing a, a role already in our life. And Coursera's co-founder has this course called AI for Everyone, which again uh, teaches you startling things uh, in a non-technical manner. Even if you're a business manager, if you're a non-computer science person, you can benefit quite significantly from that. So, yeah, I mean, I think one of my biggest takeaways has been that the opportunity to learn diverse topics, some relevant to work, some just of personal interest is really exciting. And at some stage, this becomes addictive and you want to get more and more of this. I love that. I, I think one of the biggest changes I personally tried adopting is adding an hour a day for reading, which changes alternate days with an hour for doing a course or learning something new. It's just so powerful learning new skills every single day. It makes you feel so much better. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I really like what you're saying, because like I was saying, right, this ability to learn, you know, once you're out of formal uh, education uh, does need uh, discipline, it does need building the muscle of learning and uh, planning time is a critical element of having this discipline. So I really like what you're, what you're uh, taking as an approach as well. I think another thing I really personally like about overall about uh, about learning learning courses is because this when the moment you dive into a library as big as Coursera, you are, are in fact as big as the internet, given that everything is a step away. You come across this big concept of a pottery course with every second thing that and and it I, it in itself gives you a huge area to exercise your muscles of making a decision without really knowing that you're knowing it just exercises so many muscles at the same time it's insane that's right and i think if i were to think back to what you mentioned earlier in a country like india right what sometimes is not fully understood is that not everybody gets to go to higher education and not everybody, even if they go to higher education, they get a good quality college education. You know, when I heard this statistic for the first time, it really startled me that of all the children who come out of class 12 in India, only one out of four gets to go to higher education. One out of four gets to go to college, right? So if 100 kids come out of higher education, come out of class 12, sorry, uh, 25 get to go to uh, college and then in the ones who go to college because there is such a disproportionate disparity in terms of good quality colleges and not so good quality colleges out of those 25 arguably only half are career ready when they come out right so you know maybe 10 12 15 are ready to be able to build careers once they come out of college and if you think about the 100 kids that came out of class 12 then 25 went to college and 10 15 uh, equipped to be able to build their careers, which are startling uh, facts, right? And what Coursera is doing is helping uh, with this situation. How do we make 25 uh, gross enrollment ratio become 30 and 35 and so on? And then how do we also improve the quality of what uh, kids in India are learning? And I think it's an exciting journey to be on. <laughs> 
And I, I think even the idea of reskilling is as important in a world that changes by the second. That's very true. And this refers to what we were talking about earlier as well, which is lifelong learning, right? Depending on the kind of industries anybody might be working in, right? If you look at um, the technology products industry or technology services industry, or if you look at the banking and uh, financial services space, or if you look at, uh, you know, auto, or if you look at uh, uh, telecom, um, you know, for all of us as consumers, how we consume these products has changed very rapidly, right? I mean, I bank on my phone, you know, my car has a lot of controls in it. I can control my car for my phone. And because of all of these elements, for people who work in these companies, the kind of skills that they need to have has changed as well. You know, for me as a working professional, I think I must be using five, eight uh, software tools to be able to run this business that we have in India and in Asia Pacific. And again, I'm not a computer science person, but I've learned how to, you know, be able to use all these tools, how to be able to analyze data, to be able to then run the business. And these are all signals of either informal uh, learning or formal learning as the case might be. Uh, and to your point around lifelong learning, absolutely. Uh, we are completely seeing that around us. 100%. I think it's another... So for anyone who, at the moment who's gone through a conventional path and now, but however, like I think overall our education system really doesn't endorse lifelong learning as much as it should in its early years and needs to take the shift towards becoming a better learner Second to learning to learn, what's the second course you'd recommend? Um, so one thing I do want to mention before I answer that, right, is I would say nowhere in the world does education system prepare anybody coming out of that <laughs> to become a lifelong learner, right? Because so far it was not needed. You know, I have right. friends and colleagues outside India in many parts of the world, and I don't think anybody has, you know, kind of come out of their education thinking <laughs> you are ready to be a lifelong learner. Uh, so, so it's helpful to realize that this is new, right? This is something which has happened in the last five, if you stretch it, maybe the last seven, eight years. Um, and I would say that the ability to become a lifelong learner does not necessarily mean taking courses uh, on learning how to learn, right? Just taking interesting courses, which engage you, which make you feel empowered, which help you get ahead in your career. I think is a great catalyst towards becoming a lifelong learner, right? Uh, I've been learning on a, on a topic called mental models, right? This is right. how the human mind works and how you might apply certain models to think about certain situations, right? And it is fascinating, this whole world of mental uh, models. And I'm enjoying learning that because the topic is very interesting to me. So <laughs> yes, taking a course like learning how to learn is a great idea but also taking just courses which are high quality, which come from top institutions, top universities, and also those courses which are you know, relevant or interesting to you as an individual, I think is a great idea. I do quite enjoy also the fact that, you know, when I take a course on Coursera, it, it comes with a certificate from a top university from you know, a Yale or a, a Michigan or an Imperial, because you know, that gives me a moment of pride as well. But yeah, I think those are some of the elements which I found quite helpful. So now taking a step back, regardless of demographics, somewhat, regardless of demographics, what, what do you think like uh, a person picked up in random from a billion people, what, what do you think is one mental exercise outside 
outside take uh, outside reading or educating that can help them exercise that muscle and that you personally uh, would use to exercise your muscle of bec- of becoming a better learner you know i think you know the old saying is that look if you teach something you will learn it like never before <laughs> right and i would modify that a little bit right if you uh take a course yourself or if you learn something right whether it is from youtube whether it is from coursera any any particular platform but if you synthesize it in your mind and if you then play it back to somebody and say look here are three things i learned here are five things i learned and spend 5 10 minutes talking about what you've learned it's a fantastic exercise to internalize that into your own mind as well if you are asked questions about what you've just explained chances are you will understand that concept a lot better by explaining it to other people as well so teaching what you've learned is possibly the best way to learn something that you might be trying to learn it did this reminds me a lot of this that i was reading around how preachers in churches and and any religious institution become a lot more dedicated as they end up preaching <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know again this is uh, one of the elements of uh, mental models that i was referring to earlier as well if you say something to people around you over and over again right um, you're not just influencing their thinking you're influencing your own thinking as well because it is getting internalized to you as well so i think it's probably very similar to what you also uh, mentioned earlier 100% i think the preaching goes at 360 degrees round <laughs> so Taking a step back, a uh, step further back into your journey as an individual, you originally started off in fashion, and what's been your journey? Just uh, I tell me about your journey and about all those crucial decisions that you've gone through that really developed you into the world uh, leader that you are today. yeah i mean maybe i can step back a little bit even more uh, before uh, the fashion industry right so i i grew up in dehradun uh, not not northern part of india and then i went to a boarding school in masuri and i was there for 9 years and it was really interesting you know lots of good friends like you one would imagine in a boarding school but great education as well it was this massive 250 acre uh, school in the hills and you know i was fortunate i used to do well in studies i was uh, in a lot of sports as well used to play a lot for my uh, school and so on and then after that like a lot of people end up doing in india i went and did engineering and uh, i did this from uh, pune university four years of mechanical engineering and as i was going through that engineering i realized that the quality of what i was learning was not really that exciting so i got out of engineering into the final year feeling very unprepared for the working world and not feeling very excited about you know working as an engineer so my family used to uh, and still does actually have a retail business a clothing retail business in dehradun and i said look let me learn something which takes me closer to the family business because maybe i will go and work in the family business one day and so i uh, you know uh, went to i i wrote an entrance exam i got in and i went to nift national institute of fashion technology in delhi and i started the business of fashion how do you produce garments how do you you know manage a business and so on and so forth and so that's the education that i came out of what the nift education you know did equip me for being able to work in the fashion industry 
and then for the first i would say 8 9 years of my career i worked in apparel manufacturing i worked in india but i also worked in mexico i worked in honduras i worked in sri lanka i worked in hong kong uh, many many different parts of the world and after i'd done that for about 7 8 years i was feeling like i've you know uh, did what i had to my learning was starting to play to off so i decided to go and do an mba and i was fortunate i got into a top business school uh, in ciad and i went to uh, fontainebleau in france and did an mba and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed that i thought the quality of the education the quality of um, uh, you know peers was amazing and i really came out feeling excited and confident about what i had learned and you know i joined uh, management consulting strategy consulting and i worked in in london and i worked in india and it was it was great fun it was you know one of those jet setting lifestyles that one uh, reads about and uh, gets to know about so i did that for about 7 8 years and then again i was starting to feel uh, restless and then eventually i came into the consumer technology uh, world which has been i would say my third career so first being apparel manufacturing the second being management consulting and now the third being consumer technology for the last 7 uh, 8 years or so and in consumer technology what i've enjoyed is taking products and services which can actually have social impact to uh, customers to users uh, around the country and around the world as well so earlier i set up this uh, uh, company in india called blabla car which is an intercity car pooling platform and some of my uh, friends and classmates from insiad had launched this in europe made it quite big i brought blabla car to india and launched it here uh, ran that for a period of time and then the coursera opportunity came along and i had personally experienced the impact higher education can have on one's career and on one's life so i grabbed it with both uh, both hands and for the last 5 years i've been working on you know bringing coursera to millions of learners and companies and uh, campuses in the country as well as all over asia pacific so that's been a little bit of my journey quite significantly influenced by my own education experiences as well <laughs> i think that's your journey such a fantastic example of lifelong learning <laughs> yeah absolutely i think the you know i pivoted from engineering to uh, the fashion industry quite quickly and then you know the uh, mba helped me move into uh, consulting and then a lot of the experiences that i had you know derived during the mba and i missed mentioning actually i did uh, my own startup for 2 years which was not really higher education but it really prepared me for taking on the roles and leading blablaka and then later coursera as well so those have been the three uh, pieces of my education that have really helped me <laughs> so i think the idea like i, I think especially a lot, uh, when you when you're in the midst of a change so there's this the quote i mentioned in the last episode we were recording in fact and that i that i i really hold uh as some, as more of fact than a thought is that history can only be lived forward but can only be understood backwards so very often when you're in the moment uh, the idea of changing from one specific area to another has a lot of uh, non non detoxing ideas associated to it stuff that creates a certain level of stress so how so given that you've taken multiple shifts not once but thrice so in all those different shifts that you did take up when you were in the moment 
not when you look back in retrospect how did you manage to keep yourself detox so you so the stress did not overburden you from making and you were able to put the stress aside and actually make the right decision and focus on the business in rather yeah yeah that's a good question actually i found that in all cases in the past right um i could feel it i could really feel it quite strongly internally that you know i was ready for a change and um you know if i was not feeling you know while going to work in the morning if i was not feeling excited about what i was going to go and do during the day it told me that you know uh, i was ready for a change and then later uh, not while i was going through those changes but later i've been studying human motivation and uh, you know how do many of us think about work and what motivates us and what what doesn't and i've been following uh, this uh, person you know daniel pink who's very well known for human motivation and work and he talks about three things right he talks about three things that motivate us and he says purpose mastery and autonomy these are the things that if we have in our work chances are that we will stay highly motivated right and i found like when i was doing management consulting uh, towards the last 4 5 6 months i was feeling like there wasn't enough purpose in what i was doing i was not really continuing to build my skills so i wasn't really gaining more mastery on what i did and you know i was not really that fully empowered to do what i was wanting to do so uh, when i took the decisions obviously they were in my subconscious those were you know uh, some internal uh emotions that i felt and i went ahead and backed myself and did those but then when i stepped back and said look what drove me and then when i heard uh, what daniel pink has to say did i have enough purpose mastery and autonomy those were possibly the specific things that made me uh come to the decisions that i did uh, as i went through these three uh, career changes <laughs> so when in that moment what was the self talk when you were going through any of that what was the self talk you had with yourself <laughs> um you know so i think one of the things that has always driven me right is the ability to have social impact at at scale and i've always identified these with uh, my personal context as well you know when i was in uh, engineering uh, and i was studying in pune uh, to go to my hometown dehradun you know used to be really hard because uh flights were not that straightforward to take it was super expensive to take flights at that point in time so to take a train from pune to delhi and then to take a bus from delhi to dehradun was really hard and so one of the things that drove me when i went from management consulting to blablaka was to say can i make it easier in our country to travel intercity by doing something about it right and so there was personal context which drove me then and then when i realized that there was this opportunity at kosaga i was able to say to myself that look i didn't particularly enjoy engineering which i studied and then when i went to uh, the mba i really really enjoyed it and it completely changed my career but it also changed me as a person it changed my life and can i bring some of that opportunity to many other people through a platform like kosaga so i would say the talk that i had with myself was you know actually going back to my personal context of what i had experienced and that gave me the uh context and also the motivation and passion to say this is something that i think i will enjoy doing i will possibly be good at it as well and yeah that's that was the uh talk that i had to myself 
I, I, I think in retrospect, it, it seems also <laughs> connected. That's the beauty. I think overall history in retrospect looks like if it all was just planned out a certain way, so well connected. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it's sometimes so insane to just think about it in that respect. So today, when you look at change, how, very briefly, how would you define change? Uh, say more what you might have in mind on that. Uh, ideally, say what, uh, how would you describe the emotions you feel when, like, towards change, like the muscle that you need require to be able to deal change with head on? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine for me, uh, but also for many of us, right? Uh, change uh, first comes with inertia, right? There's a certain way that all of us do something and we're possibly comfortable doing that. Um, I think figuring out enough motivators to say what might cause you to change, right, is what one needs to think about as well, right? Um, I may be studying to be a BCom student and I might want to go and work in accounting, right? But uh, do I know that automation, do I know topics like data science are actually going to change the profession of accounting very, very quickly? And if I stay in the inertia of saying, okay, I'm going to do my BCom and then I will go and work in the accounting profession, that is, you know, uh, comfort and I may continue doing that. But if I have to step back a little bit and say, look, there's lots of big changes happening. And if I have to think from the medium term to the long-term standpoint, I have to be willing to be uncomfortable in my present for, you know, being able to adapt to this change. And I think that's critical as well. So I think it's important to say, look, if change faces me in the face today, my first reaction is going to be to resist it. And that's how all of us function as human beings. But then to be able to step back and say, how do I get the motivation? How do I get the guidance? How do I get the right direction to be able to get ready for that change? I think is the next uh, thing to be thinking about. Yeah, I think mainly the mental muscle is so relevant in anything. And yeah, it's, it's insane. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I would add to that, right, is along with mental muscles, the habits and the behaviors that we build as individuals, right? right? Uh, I think that is tremendous because I think many a times I didn't realize this, right, that um, doing something repeatedly, right, you're building a habit into yourself, right? So today, uh, if you're, you know, there was a period in time where I was sleeping late, I was watching TV till late and waking up late and feeling terrible about it, right? And it started becoming a habit and it does take a lot of mental strength to get out of that, right? And today, you know, I've got into this uh, situation where almost every single night by 10, 30, 11, I'm ready to sleep. I wake up by 6, 6.30 before the alarm rings, you know, and it, I wake up feeling good about myself. I, you know, I'm ready to exercise, start my day on that and it's a combination of the mental strength but also it's a combination of habits and behaviors that we build in ourselves and sometimes it's as simple things as you know waking up early getting some exercise in and getting yourself started for the day i think just taking the responsibility and doing the change <laughs> yeah absolutely i completely agree with that tell me about your most fundamental yet stressing moment that really developed you so Kunal, let me share a, a story and I'll keep this uh, brief, right? And this is from earlier when I was leading BlaBlaCar. So as I was mentioning, BlaBlaCar is an intercity car cooling platform in Europe. And it competes with the trains, it competes with buses, because the idea is that 
if you're going from city X to city Y, you can carpool with somebody, share the cost and make the trip. And when we launched BlaBlaCar in India, the positioning was that, look, if you're going from, let's say, Delhi to Chandigarh, and if you're taking your car and if you have three empty seats in your car, share the cost of that petrol with other people. And instead of taking a train, which, you know, as you know, in India, trains are mostly waitlisted or taking the bus, which is going to be un uncomfortable as a passenger, go in somebody else's car with obviously all the requisite uh, security checks done and all of that. And when we were thinking about this fundamental problem of how do we solve for waitlisted train tickets in India, we said, why don't we go to the source of waitlisted train tickets? And the source of waitlisted train tickets is the train ticket booking website, which is run by IRCTC. And so in France, you know, uh, Blablacar used to compete with the trains, but in India, actually, we went to the Indian railways and we said, we can actually help you with this problem in India that, you know, if I have to book a ticket from Delhi to Dehradun for tomorrow morning, I won't get a ticket. It will be waitlisted because, you know, obviously trains are running at full capacity. And this was fundamentally mentally different from, you know, how Blablacar functioned. And, you know, we, we actually went to the Indian railways, we met them at a senior level and we said, look, we can actually solve this problem. And we were pleasantly surprised at how positively they received us and how, you know, how much merit they saw in this idea. And they said, look, this is interesting. We've never thought about this in any other way, but tell us what you have in mind. So we said, look, if a person comes on your platform and they search Delhi to Dehradun and it shows them waitlisted 56, then why don't we show them a banner which says you can also travel on blah, blah, car and there's a blah, blah, car leaving at 8, 8 a.m. tomorrow, you know, 10 minutes from your house. And maybe they can take that as an alternate model. So they liked it. They actually, you know, invited us to two, three other uh, uh, discussions. And over a period of two, three months, we actually forged out a partnership where with the Indian Railways, you know, whenever a ticket would be waitlisted, we would show this alternate uh, version to travel and we launched this platform and I still remember we launched this partnership in the evening on one of the days uh, I think it was a Wednesday Thursday evening at about 5 p.m and because this is an online platform you can get feedback very quickly and we were you know sitting with crossed fingers crossed toes waiting to see what kind of a response that we would get and over the first 24 hours the kind of response that we got was overwhelming around the country people were coming to the platform and the number of new users that we you know, got onto our platform and that we were able to serve went up by 3x compared to the previous month. So this was, I would say, a, a big moment, but also a big learning about how sometimes competition elsewhere can become a partner in a different geography, in a different context as well. <laughs> I'm going to change the question a bit, but this is a great story. All right. Sounds good. Wait, I'm just going to put it. Uh, one sec, I'm just going to put up a question here. I have something in mind uh, for the early answer. Tell me about a fundamental uh, decision that really stays with you today and makes for a good dinner time story. Perfect. I'm just, I just want to record that because I had that in mind as a good question to start that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. And so real quick time check. Could we try and wrap up in five minutes? I have a meeting at four. Sure. Uh, I'm just gonna add the course part and let's jump to the let's jump to the rapid fire. Yeah, all right. So at the moment, there are a lot of people listening to the podcast at different points in their career. 
and a lot of them are just getting started. So what would be a couple of recommendations from your end, uh, not just from the perspective of leading one of the most fundamental companies when it comes to lifelong learning in a country such as India, but also from your entire journey of taking three saves at three different, totally different industries and all those different saves and all those fundamental changes. We've seen some fundamental changes happening around us in, I would say, across industries, right? We've seen in India, other parts of the world as well, many traditional jobs, many physical jobs, many uh, repeatable human jobs have uh, been lost, right? Whether these are in hospitality, travel, manufacturing, many other sectors. And the other thing that we've seen is that almost 90% of all businesses in the country have said that they are going to become more digital in nature. And in the context of all of this, what's happening is that a lot of the new jobs that are getting created in industries around us require digital skills, they require data skills, and they also require new human skills or soft skills where many of us are working you know, online, many of us are working in a hybrid kind of an environment. In that context, I would say that almost all jobs require uh, all of us to have the ability to do lifelong learning. And specifically lifelong learning in the context of digital skills. You know, if I, you're a marketeer, you ch chances are you want to learn digital marketing. If you're a business analyst, chances are you will need to have the skills of a data analyst and so on and so forth. So digital skills, data-related skills, but also to be able to do many of these digital jobs, the need for human skills has become very important. And I think as all of us think about our careers, you know, and not the next 10, 15 years, but the next two, three, four years, thinking about lifelong learning in this context is possibly very helpful. That's great, lovely okay. ads. So moving to the rapid fire round, these are a couple of quick questions, try to answer them in the least possible time. Yeah, absolutely. Apples or oranges? Uh, in that case, I'd say apples. Uh, I think I lived in the hills, really enjoyed food from the hills, so apples in that case. Android or iPhone? Android, uh, for now. MacBook or Windows? Uh, MacBook, I've been on a MacBook for the last five, six years, thoroughly enjoyed it. You wake up in 2050 tomorrow morning, what's the first thing you Google? I will Google to see who's the Prime Minister of the country. You wake up in 2050 again day after tomorrow, what's the first thing you do? Given we are in winter in Delhi, I will see if Delhi still has a smog problem in the winter. Where can people find you physically? If you'd asked me this question two years ago, I would have said you'll find me in a flight, but I would say <laughs> go down now. That... Uh, going by train or going by car? By car. I, I quite enjoy driving and uh, if the road is good, I enjoy a road trip as well. If you could take one flight to anywhere, but that was going to be the last flight you were going to take, where would it be? I'd go home, I'd go to Dehradun. That's the flight I would take. If you were stuck on an island, who would be one person you would want to be with? I'd say two. I'd take both of my kids along if I could. My son and my daughter. In three words, what's the most perfect description of a perfect world? Peace, happiness and sustainability. One thing you share with everyone you meet? I talk a lot about focusing on learning actually. Your favourite destination? Uh, I've really enjoyed travelling. I lived in London for a bit, really enjoyed it. I'd love to go back when I can. Perfect. Thanks a ton. This was a lot of fun. You just heard an episode on the Detox Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform, whether it is Spotify or iTunes. We are there.